Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 1233 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brennan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Uh, just received a text on the Ashley Five Floors text line. Bob, should the Oilers be con- uh, concerned about a Kyler Yamamoto offer sheet? Uh, I've answered this once before. I would be surprised if he was offer sheeted, but I guess never say never, especially in lieu of what happened with Jess Berry, Kakamiami. It's interesting. Some people think that the uh, Carolina Hurricanes are going to end up losing out on Trocek as a result of the deal for Kakamiami. That's kind of uh, a way to look at it for sure. Some guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night of the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. 9990 Jasper Avenue, Roos Chris, the 99th Roos Chris opened, was in Edmonton. Uh, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Brendan Taylor and the staff at Roos Chris, they will take care of you. All right, we're going to bring aboard our NHL insider, John Shannon, for legacy heating and cooling. Pay no overtime rates on the 24-7 service repairs. That's how you build a Legacy, legacy heating and cooling. John, how you doing? I'm great, Bob. How are you? Good. Did you have a good Labor Day weekend? Yeah. Yeah, I actually went to a football game. I sat outside and enjoyed the Tiger Cats and the Argonauts. You went You went to the Hammer, did you, to go? Uh, now, how far do you live from there? Uh, it's actually, I'm probably midway between Toronto and and, uh, and Hamilton. So it was a, it was a nice 30-minute drive. Okay. Uh we had Bill Daly on the show yesterday, and I know you've had Bill and Gary on over the course of the summer on the show that you do with Bob McCowan. Um, mm-hmm. And of two sets of announcements last week uh, towards the end of the week, so I'd like to get you to comment on them. Number one, uh, first, the NHLPA and the NHL in an agreement with how things are going to be handled, the differences between vaccinated and unvaccinated players, and clearly... Uh, significantly more challenging if you're unvaccinated. And then number two, we'll get to the Olympics. But first, just were you a little bit surprised that they came into a sort of a central theme in terms of the protocols that they would uh, have in place uh, for unvaccinated players versus vaccinated players? Uh, I wasn't. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I I wouldn't call them harsh. I, I would call them fair. Um, I also think that the the NHL was probably able to uh, put a few more parameters around the players 
because they knew that they had to come to some level of agreement on the Olympics. And so I, I, I think there was no coincidence. The Thursday announcement came and then the Friday announcement came. Bingo. Um, but but, but I, I, I think that, I, I think that in, in trying to, again, when you're doing these protocols and it's the union and the, the league trying to do it, you're also trying to make sure that all the health authorities in the provinces and the states and the CDC and Health Canada uh, can feel that uh, they have been respected through this as well. So uh, trying to make sure that, uh, and let's face it, the governments believe in vaccination, that uh, vaccination is important for players, and if, if you choose not to be vaccinated, they, they will be respected, but there are going to be, have to be special rules in order to make sure that if you play, that, uh, that you can uh, make sure that you don't pass on the, uh, the virus at any time. Yeah, I, I mean, it's... It... I, I did think it was fairly restrictive uh, for the uh, unvaccinated players. I yesterday, uh, Bill Daly basically said that uh, the the subscription rate has gone from about eighty five to ninety five percent. I think we both know there's a couple teams that have got a couple guys that are uh, just logic dictates. I, I I thought there was one uh, U.S. team in the East that had multiple play. I'd heard multiple players unvaccinated. How problematic do you think this is going to be for the clubs, John? By the time we drop the puck on October the 12th, I don't think it's going to be a problem at all. If if the rules and regulations stay in place as they are today. I mean, we are still in a pandemic, Bob. Um, the amount of hospitalized, unvaccinated people in both countries is precarious. Um, you certainly, It certainly appears that professional sports and sports as a whole, I know you're a college football fan, yes. seem to be allowed to um, be open season now, uh, albeit most of those are outside, which is a positive. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I think that if everything goes according to plan and the doors are open and people are vaccinated or have to, in Edmonton's case, have to have a, a negative test 48 hours in advance, um, then there's, it's no different for the players, and they have to have, they have to have those same protocols. I think that the peer pressure, for the most part, in the end, it will be peer pressure that will get the players vaccinated um, over a period of time. And if, if if they're not allowed to travel with the team, if they're not allowed to participate in certain things with the team, uh, that peer pressure alone will be the difference maker. Well, I, I do know that there were some organizations as far back as free agency. So we're going back to July 28th that wanted to know the status of certain players. And we've I, certainly in the National Football League, I mean, you you know, Lamar Jackson, who I love, great player to watch. Uh, he was, he, you know, went back into a scenario where he was a close contact and he had it last year and um, was very, how's what term? Uh, it, was, it was pretty interesting comments for him when people asked him about it. He, he clearly was unsure about getting vaccinated in, in spite of what his own personal experience was. Yeah. And Carson, Wentz did, Carson Wentz said the same thing last week, Bob. Yeah. So, I mean, there, you know, if, if, it, if that is your belief and that is your philosophy um, uh, and, and they still allow you to play, then you're going to have to play by the rules that, that both the union and the players and the health authorities have agreed to. Well, now we're at the situation where we're talking employability, and you can extend this metaphor for all aspects and all walks of life, John, because we know for a fact that there was NFL general managers and NFL personnel types after cut-down week 
that were finding out the vaccination status of guys that were being cut because they weren't necessarily going to be bringing guys in if they themselves weren't, you know, you know, was it a, because in theory, you're not supposed to be cutting a guy if he's unvaccinated, but we know that's kind of, you know, those scenarios have, have kind of happened here. And, and so it's, it's, I think it's going to be really, and you said something there. I mean, the rates are going up again. We're back up to 137 people in ICU in Alberta, as an example. Mm-hmm. John, the Georgia Bulldogs have a home game this week. The state has a 42% vaccination rate. You do not need, they've not, they're expected 92,000 fans. They're the number two ranked team in the country behind Alabama. Um, they're expecting 9200 or 92K at the game at Sanford Stadium. I've been there. They'll have at least another 50,000 tailgating outside the stadium uh, uh, for the game. And you do not have to have proof of vaccination nor nor a negative test in the previous 48 hours to enter the building. Well, I think we just sit back and shake our heads, you know, quite frankly. And and there there will be people that are listening, uh, whether it be here or on the podcast, that uh, will disagree. Yep. Disagree with us. And uh, it, but at the same time, all you have to do is look at the numbers and think of uh, and see that the, those that are unvaccinated are much more prone to be uh, be hospitalized than those that are vaccinated so it's uh, again I, I, I had hoped by September the 8th of 2021 Bob we were actually going to be able to start talking about hockey but we're still talking about medicine all right uh, the Olympics you have to be vaccinated to go is that right yes yeah you do um, but that uh, again um, the league the players the Federation the IOC uh, I, I'm in, in communication with a few people uh, in the last two or three days um, talking about what the experience will be like in Beijing is it will make Tokyo look like a country club is what we're told. What a surprise. Uh, and and they, there were people who went to Tokyo that were talking about, uh, you know, the regimen that they had to have in order to... Uh, to, to be able to go to their own venues and, and participate. So from that perspective, the Olympic experience, which I think every NHL player, professional player had, has always glowed about how much fun the Olympic experience was, included the village, including interaction with all the other athletes. Um, it won't be the same in Beijing, and it will just be strictly what we think, what we saw in many ways, Bob, uh, in the NHL bubble. Um, playing games, going back to your residence, and maybe getting to a practice, but uh, it will it will not be a, any anywhere near a country club in Beijing as it was in previous Olympics, and certainly in Tokyo. John, did you work? How many Olympics games? Because uh, obviously you worked hockey broadcasts, and I think you were involved in uh, CFL on CFN or whatever back in the yeah. the day as yeah. well. Did you do? Did you go to any Olympics? Eight. Yeah. You only eight went Olympics. to eight Olympics. Yeah. And I got lucky. The first one was in Calgary, so it was a home game. It was a home game. (laughs) It was fun, but but it was uh, but that was the first of eight. Yeah. How much does world geopolitics play into what happens in the Olympics? Uh, It's funny. Uh, Once you get there, and and I, I do think I do think the Olympics have changed in the last twenty years. Yeah. Uh, but but once you get there, you are in you are in such a mode and and, and a festive mode and a cooperative mode uh, that when you know when you meet people from Australia when you meet people from Norway 
when you meet people from the Eastern Bloc and from Japan, uh, it really is uh, something to behold, and what's, it really is the thing that makes the Olympics so special. Um, you know, not to get into too much detail, but just like every venue, like a stadium or a hockey rink or a, or a gymnastics auditorium, um, all the broadcasters around the world uh, are situated in one building. You can walk down the hall and walk by the CBS studio or walk by the studio for the, the German television, ZDF, the Belgians, the Norwegians, the French, the BBC, and you can actually walk in and say hello. And, and th that was in, in many ways the, the magic of what makes the Olympics so special. You get over the period of time of a pre-Olympic setup, the two or three years you do, you go to meetings with all these people, they ask you, um, you know, particularly when it came to hockey, how, 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 they, how we think they should cover hockey, so we would give them advice. Uh, we would talk to the Dutch about how they would cross, they would cover cross-country skiing, they would give us advice. It was a, it was a fantastic collaborative world um, and I don't, there was, at, at our level, Bob, at that point, there was no politics. There, there was no politics. It was just broadcasters helping broadcasters and great athletes being at the world's greatest sports festival. All right. But you're also a guy that understands history. And, uh, you know, 1980, a uh, boycott for yep. the United States and Canada. Britain went to the 1980 Olympics, which were in Russia that year, because of Russia's yep. invasion of Afghanistan at that time. Uh, and then the Eastern Bloc turned around and boycotted the LA Olympics in 1984. Right. And, and we have an ongoing geopolitical situation uh, where the Taliban has reached out to China, and a lot of people think Russia's going to get back in uh, to Afghanistan. And I'm just... Ju I, I'm always a little bit nervous. Some people have told me, nope, the world's moved, moved past that, and countries don't boycott events like that anymore. And I'm like, mm, I get it. It's it's not the, you know, you used to, for the listeners that are unaware, there were countries that didn't want to participate in events that South Africa used to be at. Well, uh, South Africa was not allowed to participate in the Olympics for many years. Right, right, there you go. Uh, nor, nor, nor were the Communist Chinese for many years. Right. Um, and we used to call them the Communist Chinese. Um, you, you know, but you have to, you, you, the geopolitical stuff that involves the Chinese government, um, you know, a lot of this, I think, falls on the plate of the President of the United States, Joe Biden. There you go. Uh, if, he, if he feels uh, that there's no resolution to a few of the human rights issues, uh, he may turn a blind eye to it. He also may be in a position to say, no, we have to overlook it and work through it. You know, we have the two Michaels, two Canadians uh, imprisoned in, in China. Um, I think there's there have been some voices suggesting that we should probably take a stand. Uh, I don't believe we'll take a stand without the Americans. Um, but again, and that's why I think it will fall to Joe Biden to decide at what point, uh, yes or no. And I, I, I'm quite frankly, I have not heard any rumblings at all about the Americans thinking about boycotting the Beijing Olympics. Remember, uh, the Olympics are in Los Angeles in uh, 2028. Bingo. And so it, 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 it does become a, a tit-for-tat scenario between these countries and the businesses that, are, that, that they do have to work. International business now, Bob, is so intertwined that every president and, and is trying to work through multiple issues 
while trying to observe and respect human rights issues. We also have the 2026 World Cup, which will be played in North America. So there's that as well. John Shannon joins us. John, uh, EdmontonOilers.com today, uh, the Oilers' Twitter account, had some fun. They asked fans for their favorite Oilers goal that they witnessed in person. Now, you worked a lot of Oilers broadcasts. Um, yeah. I, I will say that uh, actually one of the, my favorite ones was the one that I uh, wasn't working on the broadcast but was Fernando Pisani's overtime winner in Game 5 uh, in Carolina. That was a big one. More recently, I would say Connor McDavid's goal in Toronto uh, was a, a spectacular goal. That's, just, that's not Morgan Riley's favorite goal. No, that's but it, that's about as good a goal as <laughs> you, you see these days. Do you have, I mean, were you there for Gretzky's uh, goal back in 88? Oh yeah! Oh, the uh, the overtime goal in Game Two, absolutely. Yep. I produced that game. Uh, I was I was there. I, I I think it's difficult to beat uh, 50 and 39, Bob. I, I really do. It may have been the simplest goal, but uh, just what the meaning of of Wayne scoring five against Philadelphia in in December of '81, um, and 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 witnessing it for the last five goals in one night. Uh, with the empty net goal and Bill Barber sprawled on the ice and the uh, you know the Flyers wearing the the Cooper alls and 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 the place going ballistic. That it, it is so difficult uh, to beat 50 and 39. Wayne's Wayne's picture was on the cover of the program that night. Uh, there were so many things in the stars aligned that that one is. As I, I saw that on the Twitter account and. I was the 50 and 39 is tough to beat. John, I recall uh, those Cooperalls. Uh, Bill Burr, the comedian, had a epic uh, rant. It's called the Philly Rant. It's available on YouTube. They apparently boot off a couple comedians before him. It's Philadelphia, after all. I mean, they. Yeah. What, what was the joke about Philadelphia? Was it Mike Schmidt who said they would boo Santa Claus in Philadelphia? Because Mike Schmidt yeah. was like the best third baseman in the game for a number of years. Yes, he was. And he belittled Philadelphia for like 15 minutes straight. And he <laughs> talked about. He talked about when the. He goes. Do you remember when the Flyers? had the slacks what a bunch of and it was it was really i just remember that from what they were in the cooper Alls. what People i remember love that what what i recall about the i looked down and around at from our broadcast location at other media guys when mcdavid scored that goal in toronto and walked morgan riley yeah. and, and it was one of those looks on guys did that just happen moment that's that was the look, yeah. right? And that's yeah. th- that, those ones. But I want to ask. I mean, it's a, it's a fun topic to have for the listeners. Um, you can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The favorite Oilers goal score that you witnessed in person. So have at it. Uh, and again, for me, I got a. Couple. Well, there's eighty five thousand people claim they saw Wayne score those five that night. Now. Yeah, and yet there was only fourteen thousand fans in the <laughs> arena that night. <laughs> but you made it look good on TV, my man. Oh, well, we did our best. There you go. Smoke and mirrors, Bob. Smoke and mirrors. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about on a daily basis on the show, John. <laughs> Thanks a lot. We'll touch base again early next week, okay? Cheers. Cheers. NHL insider John Shannon joining us. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you, and it is currently... 1252 at Edmonton. We'll take a quick time out. We're going to get to some of your texts when we return on Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 6-0-6-3.
1253 in Edmonton. You can text us at any time on the Ashley Five Floors text line. And Hank says, Bob, uh, my favorite moment that I saw in person was Big George's hat trick. Uh, George LaRock scoring a hat trick against the LA Kings. Again, obviously the Fernando Pisani goal um, has to be uh, considered. GM Parisian says, Bob, you said bingo three times already during this John Shannon interview. Get your stuff together from GM Parisian. Bingo, man. Thanks for that. <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, Brennan, I, I'm getting the distinct impression that we have a segment of the population that's joining us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line that don't like Joe Biden. I, For what it's worth. People are fired up. Oh, wow. Ah, but whatever. It's all good. Bob, could uh, Raphael Lavoie take Connor Yamamoto's spot? Uh, Maybe. I think that'd be a bit of a long shot uh, this year. I do think in a year from now. I think he needs to play a full season in the minors. People aren't going to like this next uh, solution suggestion, but what about Kyle Turris? Kyle Turris is like three 24-plus goal seasons in the NHL. And he wasn't very good last year, and he wasn't very impactful, but he's looking for it. Tiny Ted, honest man, says, Bob, I was there in 97 when the Oilers... Oh, this is a good one. I was at that game, too. I was there in 97 when the Oilers came back from being down 3-0 to Dallas in the playoffs. My dad wanted to leave when it was 3-0, but I said we had to stay. And thank goodness we did. What a finish from Tiny Ted. Uh, Tiny Ted... I was in the Dallas truck. I was doing font court and stats, and the building was shaking. It was shaking, my man. It was a, a big night. Fans were absolutely jacked. Uh, this one comes in saying, my favorite McDavid goal was his first goal in his first game back, coming back from the devastating injury. Totally awesome and a cumulative sigh of relief from every Oilers fan everywhere, I'm sure. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. Willie says, Bob, my favorite Oiler goal that I saw in person, 1987 Game 7 Stanley Cup Final, Glenn Anderson. 3-1 goal. I was not in the building. I watched that one in the thriving metropolis of Clearwater, British Columbia, with a bar full of fans, uh, individuals that did not want to see the Oilers win. So, uh, not surprising, you know, Clearwater, BC, they didn't like the Oilers too much. They wanted the Flyers to win. Uh, this text comes in. Haas says, uh, my favorite uh, that I was at, five-goal performance from Pat Hughes. Scored the night Wayne Gretzky was out of the lineup. Ken says, my favorite goal uh, where, where I was in the building, winning goal against Calgary in uh, 1988. Uh, buddy who took me to the game told me to stop cheering for the orders or we would be beaten up. That does not happen. Unless there's 8 o'clock games on Saturday nights where people get fueled up all day long. Again, you can text us at any time, 780-496-0063. Bob, I, too, was at that game uh, with the Oilers and the Dallas Stars back in 1997. Uh, People uh, fled the building only to run back minutes later. I stayed in my seats the entire time. Well, there you go. 
Coach Mike says, Bob, let me guess. The same Biden haters that you're getting text from are the same mouth breathers that refuse to get vaccinated. That one comes to us from Coach Mike. I haven't done the cross-section on that at this time, so I'm just going to leave that one alone. Uh, Bob, I was in the building the night Sam Gagne had eight points. That was pretty neat. That was a wild night. I know for Jack and myself, we were we were in shock. Like, I mean... Who thinks? Uh, and Sam Gagne was a decent player, great guy, but four goal, eight point performance, that just doesn't happen. Again, you can text us at any time at 780 496 0063. David Staples is coming up from the cult of hockey. We, though, will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.